when, in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, and that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Do you know it? Did any of you have to memorize it? The Declaration of Independence, signed July 4th, 1776. The birth of our nation, the cause for all of our celebrations this weekend, and it really is a beautiful piece of writing, a beautiful document, an aspirational document, one we have, of course, been trying to live into ever since, and one, as it turns out, that is a really good fit with our gospel reading for this week. Our scripture today, to me, is a word from God for all of us who are worried about our country this Independence Day weekend. There, I mean, you know, there doesn't seem to be much that political parties agree on these days, right? But like the one thing we all seem to agree on, whatever side of the aisle we're on, is that we all seem to be pretty concerned about the direction our country is going in. Now, we might have different things that are causing us to be concerned, opposite things maybe. And of course, we have tons of different ideas um, about how to address those concerns. And, and like that's a good thing, right? That's probably a good thing. Um, but there does seem to be this fairly universal sentiment that the dominant voices and ways are getting further and further away from the values that feel core to us. And that, that can be really scary. That can feel very threatening. And, and we can be almost tempted like to despair about the state of our country and our world. So... This week's gospel is it's a really timely reminder to us Then, when, when it seems like the world is headed in a direction that does not seem right to us, this is the perfect time to lean into the wisdom of our faith tradition because so much of what our tradition speaks to is for a time such as this or even really like far more extreme than this. Because for sure at its founding and for most of the centuries that preceded it, our biblical tradition has almost never been the dominant voice within its own society. Israel was constantly under the thumb of one empire or another. So almost all the words in our scripture were written like by the underdog for the underdog. It, it's like our, our faith was kind of designed to be used under duress. Think of Jesus' words here. I'm sending you out like lambs in the midst of wolves. And so then since its founding, People of faith everywhere have, this is what they've worked at. Like, how do we keep the faith during times of hardship, illness, scarcity, violence, injustice? 
So, confession. I have been listening to the Little House on the Prairie books, Laura Ingalls Wilder, who spent uh, some of her childhood in Wisconsin. But boy, talk about nostalgia for bygone eras, right? Even then, um, they're like bemoaning how fast society is changing. Um, but I always listen, of course, with fascination whenever Laura's describing church, which the sermons back then, by the way, were way longer. You had to sit perfectly still and the messages were all about sin and hellfire and anyways you guys don't know how good you have it but uh she includes in one of her chapters a verse from a hymn that they were singing at the end of a church service and it goes like this we are traveling with our staff in hand walking in the good old way we are pilgrims bound for a heavenly land walking in the good old way and, and I liked it so much, like that idea that, that we're walking this path that so many faithful before us have tried. I liked it so much that I looked it up. And, and here's what I found when I looked up this hymn, Walking in the Good Old Way. So the words to that hymn, they were written by a woman named Fanny Crosby. She's one of the most prolific hymn writers of all time. She was blind from like the age of six weeks. So was her husband. He was an organist. And Fanny... Fanny Crosby wrote like almost 9,000 hymns. Our hymnals are full of her hymns, but it took historians years and years to figure this out because like in her time, producers of hymnals, they didn't want too many hymns in their books to be written by the same person. So what she did is she used like 200 pseudonyms to publish her work. She was the first woman to ever speak in the United States Senate. Um, she advocated for schools for the blind. She wrote poetry. She wrote patriotic songs during the Civil War. Hurrah, hurrah, the stars and stripes forever. Hurrah, hurrah, our union shall not sever. She wrote, um, she wrote minstrel shows, which were considered like not at all proper for good Christian women. She lived and did missions work in the slums of New York until she died in her 90s. And, and when she died at her request, her family placed on her grave a small tombstone that said, Aunt Fanny, she hath done what she could. I'll say, right? Wow, what a life. Um, so probably many of her hymns would be familiar to you. The most famous is probably Blessed Assurance. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. She, she received for that song $2 um, and the rights to the song and all future proceeds were held by the publicist, like most of her hymns. So she was super poor her whole life. But um, in addition to that minor injustice, uh, her hymns actually received a lot of criticism for being, wait for it, too uplifting. Yeah. Too uplifting. Because remember, the fashion back then was for religion to be dark and threatening and kind of like scare people into right behavior. But Fanny Crosby talked about a relationship with God that was tender and, and comforting and encouraging. And so she was actually accused uh, by in many places of emasculating religion. So when you look back, through the history of our Christian tradition, popular piety. I think one of the greatest weaknesses of our tradition has been to kind of swing back and forth between two extremes, like a type of religion 
that focuses almost exclusively on, on sinfulness and evil within us and in our world. Um, and then the other extreme, a type of religion that says that as the faithful, we are protected, we will prosper, we will always win. Everything uh, is unfolding exactly as it should be. We're victorious in all things. And, and, and both of these extremes, of course, are problematic because both are only half the story. And the real gift of our tradition, which um, Fanny Crosby was able to do so beautifully, the real gift of our tradition is to be able to hold both of those truths together. Like, yes, there is so much wrong with us and with others and our world, and, and there is so much goodness in us and others in our world. And not, not just to believe that these two truths, like these two truths, they don't just exist in a vacuum. This isn't like an eternal stalemate, that there's actually like a direction to history. There's a story being written. And while clearly uh, it is not here yet, the ending of the story will be a good one. And that already we can see little glimmers of it's coming around us. That, that is the real strength of our tradition. So they say that we get our theology, not from the sermons we hear, although I know you're all listening carefully, but from the hymns that we sing. And if that's true, then Fanny Crosby may have done more than like any one person in the last 200 years to kind of swing our tradition back towards, towards a, a faith that, that is real and honest, but, but also hopeful. And I would, I would love to keep geeking out about Fanny Crosby with you. Uh, she wrote, Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior. You know, Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior. Um, after leading worship in a New York prison and talking to all the inmates. But anyways, let's go back to that initial question. What does the gospel have to say for those of us who are worried about our country and our world. And like, how, how do we navigate that? How do we live the way God wants us to live in a world whose ways are so far off from how God dreams that it could be? That, that That's kind of like the main theme, maybe of most of our scriptures actually, but even just this one gospel passage um, that Susan read for us. Thank you, Susan. It's got a, like a lot of practical stuff in there, right? Like, um, don't try to do it alone. Work in teams, stick together, travel light, uh, keep putting yourself out there, have good boundaries, take care of yourself, let other people take care of you. Um, don't You don't need to own other people's reactions to you. You just kind of stay busy doing your good work and, and let the chips fall where they may. And that's all very helpful, practical, basic stuff. Uh, but the bigger, deeper piece in here is, is this idea of the kingdom of God. And this reminder, as we're, you know, doing our best, doing what we can, whether it works or whether it doesn't, the kingdom of God is near. So, you know, you know, in the Lord's Prayer where we we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So this idea of the kingdom of God, it, it's kind of like the Declaration of Independence, right? It's, it's an aspirational idea, an aspirational, it's, it's an image of a place where God's will and only God's will is done. Like right now on earth, lots of wills are done. Yours, mine, all kinds of things. Um, and that's why the world is so far off from how, how it could be. But the kingdom of God has arrived when all is how God dreams it could be, like when all is right with the world. 
And this idea, this promise of the coming of the kingdom of God, this is how our faith teaches us to be honest and hopeful at the same time. It's this idea that the kingdom of God is coming and and is near and in some spots is already here. So what this means for us as we're working to build the kind of country that we want to see, it means that the world we're trying to build, it already exists, right? Like it's here and there um, in small pockets where people are are already doing this. They're already working to heal and take care of each other. Like there's all these little little spots, little communities that celebrate joy and share burdens and serve one another. So we don't like we don't have to invent anything new or, or come up with miraculous solutions to the world's problem. We just we just keep walking in the good old way. We we find places where it's already happening and we jump in and try and help scale those up. Or We make the kingdom of God a reality in small spaces, like around our kitchen table or on our corner of the block. And and then we remember that as we're doing that, like everywhere out there, others are doing that same thing. And, And so we just do our best to come together with them and trust even when the kingdom of God is not here yet, still it is near. No matter how bad it gets, we are always just one small brave healing act away from a glimpse of heaven on earth. We therefore, the representatives of the United States of America in general Congress assembled, appealing to the Supreme Judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions due in the name and by authority of the good people of these colonies solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown, and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved, and that as free and independent states, they have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and to do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Friends, may we pledge to each other and most of all to God, our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. The kingdom of God is near.